Hello. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, well, we are here again. It's a Friday evening. It's about 8.49 p.m., and we're about to burn the not-so-midnight oil and doing a little bit of bonus, bonus broadcasting with me, Frankie Val, over here on the drums, and we are going to do session four of the first ever, quite frankly, book club, Windswept House, Malachi Martin. And we're getting through. I think we're just about to hit the halfway point. And this stream, this entire experience, would have been nothing, nothing without my good buddy over here, Timothy Gordon, that is joining us tonight again. Timothy, how are you feeling so far? You good, Tim? You got to unmute. Yo, Frank. There yeah, he is. I'm still on me. I'm mute. How, how the heck are you, bro? I'm good. I'm doing I'm great. Good. I'm doing great. And I'm, I'm feeling, especially when it comes to this, I'm feeling it. We're getting, uh, the, the, the pedal is to the metal now, I think. And I just, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens going from here. Your week's been good. How was your reading experience overall? You, 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 you feeling good about this so far? Good. Yeah, this is, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like you said last week, you called it, picked up the pace of it and still loving it. I mean, I was loving it from the very beginning because I like all the the Rome hijinks and the, the backstory on Vatican II and SSPX and all that. But I'd imagine for the average person out there that just wants action, we really, we really picked up this week. Yes, and I think that is the way that I would I would characterize this this grouping of chapters from 30 to to no 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 it was from 26 to 30. Um, yeah, we we ended on page 321 if you have the paperback, but I that's how I would char- characterize this. It is a full court press. They had already set up their uh, their councils. They had their plan. They agreed upon exactly what their goals are, and now it is just tying up loose ends, making sure that they get this thing underway. And um, I'd like to just jump into some notes that I have. Then we'll get into notes that you have, and then we'll get into our thread. And and obviously along the way, we just have a lot of uh, tangential, but, you know, relative conversation, which I really love. Um, It starts off with this this chapter of Mice and Men. Uh, Christian is now in Rome, and and I'm still wondering why... I guess he's still wondering why he's there. And every time that he's in the same room as Father Slattery, I just have to say, it is awesome. Yeah. Every scene with with Damien Slattery is awesome. And let me just ask, uh, who is Damien, Damien Slattery based on in the character key? Is he supposed to be somebody uh, in particular, or did Malachi Martin write himself in as a character? Because I was wondering that. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to be the actual uh, rector of the Ange from from the, uh, I think he was the early 80s. I'll get you a name in one second, Frank. I'll get you a name in one second. Uh, probably probably the name won't make too much of a difference to too many, but uh, yes, I this character key, which I have up, is, does this take me off if I do this? Can you still see me? No, I don't see you, but uh, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, okay, let me let me let me get let me get that that thing for you. So Damien Slattery is call him in real life. Um when, when, because you know, again, the, the the Ange and the Greg are hit very close to home for me, and I know some of the lore told by priests attending those places. Yeah, so I'm on page two here. Damien Slattery is composite of uh, Michael Cardinal Brown and a living former U.S. Dominican. Perhaps Father Fiore. I thought it was a famous Washington D.C. Uh, um, uh, Dominican named uh, Father White, famous okay. famous Thomist, based based Aristo Thomist, uh, named Father White. That's who I thought the other guy was. Uh, but at the very least, um, Michael Cardinal Brown mixed with a former living U.S. Dominican. So he's not actually Irish the way the way the book makes him out to be. Got you. Well, in, in this respect, but like I said, any time that he's in a scene, it's just awesome. I have this one thing. I have two uh, pages that I want to point out in particular. Page 263, you have Christian is in Rome. He's sitting down with Damien Slattery, and he's kind of, like I said, he doesn't understand why he's there just yet. And when he offers up the idea that he was thinking that since the Vatican Bank, the IRA, is in a little bit of trouble again, he was thinking perhaps they're just, the, the, the Pope uh, is is uh, tapping him on the shoulder because it would win some favor with Sessi and they need the money. And immediately, this is what happens. No sooner had Christian shared that idea with Slattery than the Master General surged out of his chair, his face irate and beat red. He went nose to nose over Gladstone, making him a prisoner in his chair. Can you really, can you really think that, Father? We are in a war with Satan himself. Maybe that war has already been won for us, but right now we have lost, we are losing, and will continue to lose battle after battle. And you think the Holy Father has nothing better to do than buttonhole you about money like some uh, hot penny politician running for dog catcher will think again perhaps you're too young to know what's going on but you're not too young to learn what's going on is far more complicated than you have any idea far more hellish far more divine far more hazardous than you could begin to imagine i was like oh god i, I was trying to put myself in the chair as christian having this guy bearing down on me and and putting it that straight and i was like oh Damn. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> Remember, he's a seven footer in the book. He's 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 seven full feet tall, and uh, yeah, he's a the physical specimen. I, I I thought the exact same thing as I read that part. It's just awesome, just awesome. On the second half, in the second uh, the second page from that, that's the two sixty four. Um, where was it in particular? Oh, here you go. Uh, he stepped away from Gladstone and moved toward the window. When he spoke again, his voice was softer, but all the more riveting for that. Quote, In the warfare that is going on, there are quite a few of us on the side of the angels, but we are not that many compared to the mass of camp followers trotting merrily along the coattails of those out to destroy what we are trying to salvage. And as we know from not only previous portions of this book, but from how we analyze and lay down commentary of our own contemporary culture, those trotting along and hanging on to the coattails of those meaning to destroy are not always wittingly 
going along with it. They just have absolutely no base. They have been debased for a complete purpose that when they are initiated into this plot, they won't know what they're doing and who they're serving, but they are serving a purpose as a very useful pawn, and there are many pawns out there. Um, Let's see. Okay, so Paul Gladstone. Now, that's Christian. He's in Rome now. Paul Gladstone, on the other hand, he's in Jerusalem. And we check in with him in this, this chapter as he is traveling with Cyrus ben, Benthock and Dr. Channing. And this is pretty much his initiation into Freemasonry. And it's, it's uh, pretty incredible because you get these little hints of grooming prior to um prior to his accepting this new spiritual ordination he did he re, he walked out before he was ordained before but he was definitely ordained this time listen to this little part here that that made my hair stand up 271 he's being groomed so uh paul was not uh, was not astounded to find himself next with these two companions at the church of the holy sepulcher now um this right here, that, that, that there at the spot where the body of Christ had been placed in its tomb after the crucifixion, Paul was moved by the sadness in Dr. Channing's voice as he remarked on the partisan animosity that so obviously held sway among the different Christian denominations charged with the care of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, quote, is it not an unworthy spectacle, Mr. Gladstone? Even here, Roman Catholics, Franciscans, Eastern Orthodox priests, Coptic prelates, and all the others vie to be the most important custodians. And then comes in Benthock, who is also in on the grooming. Shameful, he says. It really is time we all get together. You know, it's like, and you just, it's, it's so skeevy. This little two-on-one, it's so creepy, but that's what the that's how you groom someone. These, these completely scripted exchanges that set you up to only take one side in an argument, and then, of course, comes the, the final seduction, as he says. So, did you, did you pick up on that? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I, I, we were... We were funny. It was funny. We were um, over by the uh, St. Thomas Catholic Church yesterday uh, in town. We live a little outside of Hattiesburg, and we passed the Masonic Temple, and they never have windows, right? And my 11-year-old daughter, she knows about the Masons through me. Um, she was asking, why don't they have windows and all that? And I was just thinking, this is, this is this, it's, it's real-life creepy stuff. It's real-life Scooby-Doo. Um, so yeah, the the remember the the what they're doing there at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is supposed to in in essence uh, we were talking last time Frank you and me about um, that Australian guy who who did a tell all on the the Masons and what they were he said have you ever noticed in in movies they say they say the name of the Lord they'll say uh, J C or G dash D and that they'll use it excessively, you know, way more than they'll say fuck or shit or whatever. And um, it's because it's a curse word to them. So you have to remember to, to these guys like, like Benthock and, and particularly uh, Channing, these guys are pretending, like you said, it's so skeevy because they're pretending it is grooming. It's how it works. It's how plants work. Even if you go to a timeshare weekend and they're trying to get you to buy, it's so skeevy because they're attempting to give Paul, the impression, 
who left the church because he was so disgusted with the ecumenism, you know, the, the religious indifferentism after the council to give him, a, give him the impression that they actually cared about the fact that, you know, it's, it's shameful that the different Christian denominations are vying for, uh, uh, you know, the control of this church, which isn't really that surprising anyway, human nature being somewhat petty, but that's, that's not really that sleazy. Um, so these people for whom the name of Christ, the holy name of Christ, is a swear word, are pretending that they think it's beneath Christians to take a little bit of pride and want to be the primary custodian to, uh, custodians of the holy church of the sepulchre it's it's really it's really uh palpable sleaziness yes yes and 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 you know what i i um what i what i started thinking around page 273 this is when they really start getting him getting around to the crux of what they're doing out there in jerusalem he says um let's see here gladstone listened carefully though he noted a number of gaps and omissions in benthock's account of his vision he was pleased that Christian was apparently so much more attuned than he had imagined to globalizing trend of world affairs. Still, Paul had his doubts that the foreign ministers of the, of the in EC, the EU, nations, had a high opinion of him as Secretary General was one thing, but it didn't seem likely that such powerful men would lightly render such favors as Benthock had outlined to a newcomer such as himself. Like, why me? At least, not on such a regular basis as this conversation implied, and above all, not for the benefit of Rome. Such doors did not just open like that willy-nilly. With his, with, this, with his clear statement of those objections, Paul Gladstone opened the door willy-nilly to his own final seduction. Because, of course, why me? And then they tell him why. They, they, they put it on there. And I'll tell you, the only thing I can think about over the next couple of paragraphs was the scene in Revenge of the Sith, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. It's when Anakin and Palpatine go to the opera, which I think is one of the most amazing scenes in all of Star Wars, uh, all the movies that were ever made. It is, yeah. it is creepy. It is so well done. It, it is, my hair stands up the whole time. And... Um, yeah. Ian McDermott, who plays Palpatine, he's sitting there and he finally has some alone time with Anakin, who he wants to make his apprentice, who he wants to turn. He he needs to turn him to the dark side for this to to really get off on the right foot. And uh, and he he starts telling him the legend, the 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 fable, the 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 story of Dark Darth Plagueis the Wise. And uh, you have to go and rewatch that scene because it's exactly what's going on here. It's, um, it's, it's verbatim. He says, are you aware, Paul, that many high-ranking prelates in the Vatican belong to the Lodge? And Paul took a moment to reply, yes, but there are still some official dissatisfaction as regards to Freemasonry. And that's when Dr. Channing comes in. He was quick to reply, the only important source of dissatisfaction that remains is the present Holy Father. You know, it's it's only that that outdated pope that nobody actually really likes, and then it's, so his guard continues to be chipped away, and then finally he gives himself over to it, and he he is just, I don't know, there is just a sense of joy, like a high, a euphoria that rushes through him, um, that he believes that he's finally found that that uh, that point of convergence for all faith that he was missing his whole life. Um, and it's 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 kind of sad. It makes me wonder at that point: Have we lost the everyman Paul at this point? 
has he become now ideologically and spiritually invested, whereas before he was just a an old Catholic boy that has lost his way through all the reasons that we said in session three. So have we lost Paul's spirit at this point? I don't know. There's definitely definitely a lot more coming, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I love the uh, Darth Plagueis the Wise reference here. I, I, I'd love to hear you build build that out a little more because um, that's one of my very favorite scenes in all of the... I'm a, I'm a prequels fan, Frank. Um, I, me too. So I'd, yeah, no, uh, you know, Gen Xers shit on the prequels, and I, I, I think it's about as, as boomer as a Gen Xer can get to shit on the prequels. It's like, g- give me three over four, episode three over four any day of the week, right? Yeah. So I'd like to hear you build that out uh, uh, at 30 seconds more, if you wouldn't mind. But what I was going to point out about the same scene with Paul in Jerusalem, which is which is a funny uh, expression, Paul in Jerusalem, like mm. the Council of Jerusalem, in 10 pages before in the previous scene, you had Brother Christian in Rome, Paul in Jerusalem, and Christian in Rome. I wonder if there's something to that. Um, uh, <clears throat> but but it, it's perfect parody. It's almost like Godfather 2. Because what does Christian keep saying when he may, meets with Maestro Ani? He's like, why me? Why, why me? I'm just a newcomer. No one's going to share with me. And what does Maestro Ani say to him? He goes, no, now you're one of us. You're like family, you know. You're like family. Exact, almost the exact same response that uh, uh, not Chapman, but the uh, Channing. Channing gives to Paul, where he's like, "No, no, no, you're 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 like family." Or Bentho and Channing together tell him this, and he and Paul is saying the same shit. Why, why me? Why am I uh, uh, entitled to secrets of state that are so closely held? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 A- absolutely. Yeah, what did you mean with the uh, what? Because uh, of course, Darth Plagueis the Wise. That's a whole. It's excellent. You have an excellent eye for this stuff. Uh, Darth Plagueis the Wise. That's Sidious without a third interlocutor grooming Anakin because he knows that Anakin has this ulterior motive to be obsessed with death. So he's he's just grooming him with this lie, um, yes. like openly admitting that he was the. Apprentice of Darth Sidious the Wise, and he's he's you know it's more it's e- it's it's even more yeah, than that it's even yeah. more than that and, and I know that when people say oh, oh, there's a lot of people that just they, you know, they don't like the movies they don't like Star Wars and whatever but uh, I'm a huge prequels fan too especially when I started realizing what you're really talking about there the Emperor who is the source of all evil he has been able to cloak himself inside of this magnanimous character, philanthropy, uh, being on the side of the little man, talking about democracy, this and that. But all the, all along the way, his stock keeps rising in the Senate. Then finally, he's the chancellor. Then finally, he is able to start a war. He's on both sides of the war. Yeah. And that war has been made to erode... Uh, to erode all types of democratic traditions inside of the Galactic Senate. He seizes war powers for himself. He builds a grand army. He's, uh, he is completely screwing with and, de- and, and destroying the Jedi Order, which are guardians of peace, and, and they, are, they have... Uh, um, they're, they're pretty much like the, the, the church, I would have to say. If you, if you want, we're going to make a, uh, some kind of a um, comparison in this position. But he needs something else. He sees in Anakin, of course, something that is necessary. He's going to be one of the. More, he's going to be more powerful than anybody, and if he can have that, 
He or he's already built a poison pill into this grand army, the Republic, with the the Order sixty six. He knows when the time is right. He's going to turn the clone army on the Jedi, on everybody, and take everything over in one fell swoop. And of course, just blame people. It stopped the war altogether. He, we vanquished the enemies. They're no longer necessary anymore. He got rid of Duke. Every last one of his puppets are completely washed away at the end as patsies. And uh, and of course, he gets all the acclaim. But he needs this apprentice. He needs the power that because Anakin alone could probably take him down eventually. So he starts grooming him. He um, he he keeps his anger. He keeps all of his lament lamentations alive. His missing of his mother. Uh, the worrying of whether or not he's going to be able to save his uh, his wife Padme from death, be even though he is the source of all of his nightmares. So this is the thing here. He goes and he he sits down. He beckons Anakin, who has now been told to uh, to to spy on him. He knows that the. He's, he's wedging him between, let's say Paul here is Anakin Skywalker. They found a way, the Emperor did, Palpatine, the dark, the dark force character here, has found a way to wedge, put a wedge between Anakin and the Jedi Council, Paul and the Church, to make him go away, to, to, to look into darker aspects that he thinks he can get a more complete understanding of the world at large and what it's really supposed to be about. And of course, it's all just the allure doing it for the fact that he thinks he can prevent those around him from dying. So he sits down with uh, Palpatine at this opera, and it's very odd, almost like it's almost like a space Cirque du Soleil, and the it the, it, the it's just wonderful, wonderful music uh, at, at this point. Everything's very creepy. It's just the two of them, and he tells him the the tragedy of Darth Plague, Darth Plagueis the Wise, who was Palpatine's master, that he ended up learning everything he can and killing in his sleep. And at the end, he talks about he became so powerful that he thought that uh, he would be able to stop people from dying. And, of course, he knows that this is what Anakin wants to hear. And Anakin yeah. goes, is it possible to learn this power? And then at the end, he just looked. The end of the scene is Palpatine looks over to Anakin and goes, not from a Jedi. Oh, man. But still, he's the restraint, little taking little chips out of him. He wasn't going to go for him full bore right there. And that's what yeah. I'm saying, that all this uh, Paul Gladstone has been chipped away at. His soul has been chipped away at, like Anakin Skywalker. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, that's excellent, man. That's that's a good eye. That's a good eye. I like that a lot. Well, let's keep going then. I have a I have a little bit more here that I want to see if there's anything different that you have caught. On page 289 now. Oh well, well in 274 and 279, I found two instances I thought was pretty interesting. Not only do the Freemasons that have just in, inducted and initiated. Uh, Paul talk about we need to build a new Jerusalem, but also you have the Pope himself talking about the idea of building a new Jerusalem and a new mystical body of Christ. I guess rebuilding the church that he knows is now dead, um, that, that, that something needs to be rebuilt. So you have both opposing forces talking about this idea of building the new Jerusalem. That made me think about Albert Pike and those, those, um, those theoried Letters about the three world wars and the new Jerusalem and 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 how they were going to destroy everybody in the end And then we have page 289 Appleyard uh, We are looking at him through the uh, going through the Pope 
here in 289. He's looking through the Pope's stuff. Um, he is looking through everything that he can to learn about him. And this is interesting of him because of all of his findings, Appleyard, we learn, is a 30th degree Mason. He seems to be taking a little bit more of an observational stance on everything, though. He obviously does not care for the papacy, nor does he care for the predominance of the Christian faith in the world at all. But he seems to be a little bit more, at least at this point, a little bit more detached of all the globalist types um, thus far. And he's confused to that point. Here, 289. Um, the trouble that there was, uh, the, uh, the trouble that there was also contradictions involved with the Pope that baffled Gibb Appleyard. He found documented evidence, for example, that the Slavic Pope saw all religions as true avenues to spiritual salvation, even such things as African voodoo, uh, Papuan uh, animism, and the uh, the the millenarianism of Jehovah's Witnesses were included in the Pope's ministry. But the practical point for the American was that the pontiff showed none of the usual insistence that all men and women become Roman Catholics. Then he goes on 290. He goes even more into into depth. Pretty obviously, this is Malachi Martin reaffirming all of his problems with John Paul II and the things that he has done. Um, it was supremely... Out of the, out of the, the mouth of Christian. Yeah. Remember Christian Christian the first hundred pages in a couple different discussions, he expresses dissatisfaction with this ecumenism, religious indifferentism of, of John Paul II. And and he kind of dials that back. Sorry, I didn't mean to break it. No, no, no. I'm glad that you did, because in two ninety he goes even more. Uh, he says it was a it was uh, supremely important for Appleyard as a man and as a Mason to find what appeared to be a kindred attitude in the writings of the Slavic Pope. There was a dimension to this man that clicked in Appleyard's mind like tumblers in a lock, a purity of outlook and a, de a dedication of purpose he had found in no other world leader. What was surprising it was that uh, a, 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 as it was a, a appealing for a man as uh, idealistic as Appleyard was this Pope's consistent professional care, not only for geopolitical strategy, but for the stra uh, strategic necessities of life. This pontiff concerned himself with everything, with wantonness of agricultural policies, with the responsibilities and values of democratic society, with scientific irresponsibility, water rights, labor unions, housing, medical care, genetics, uh, astrophysics, athletics, opera, the sheer impact with which his words were tailored to suit the cultures of over 80 nations was something to admire. So he goes on and then he says this, still, he couldn't help but wonder Appleyard couldn't help but wonder how the prelates, um, but what or how the prelates he had met could fail to realize what a giant of a leader they had in the Slavic Pope. So here he is in his reading through and, and just thumbing through his in the, the, the Pope's profile, his body of work and everything, and they're saying, and he's asking himself, as a Mason, as a 30th degree Mason, he has no reason to stand in the corner of the Pope. But he's saying, why is it that they are so feverish in taking this man out when, uh, when it's obvious that if they were a little bit more moderate, they have a great, great asset in him. He is obviously very progressive. So uh, that, I thought that was very interesting because everybody else is in a race against time because he, he probably doesn't know about the race against whatever kind of juju they had won themselves with the um, the enthronement.
that they, they said they're running out of time, five to seven years. So he probably doesn't know about that clock is ticking because, yeah. yeah. You, you know, everybody, I, I was I was on Twitter correcting some, some folks about uh, progressive Teddy Roosevelt. I'm, I'm not a Teddy Roosevelt fan or, or and Lincoln. The two presidents, Lincoln and Roosevelt, are kind of the equivalent in the in the big big secular world of the uh, the pontificate of JP two Frank. Insofar as the left claims them, the right claims them, and it's because both Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt, like like JP two, did a little bit a little bit um, of leftist orthodoxy and a little bit of leftist heterodoxy, a little bit of right-wing orthodoxy and a little bit of right-wing heterodoxy. And so no one, at least in my corner of the church, right, the trads, you know, but I I hang out with a bunch of um, Sessie Gladstones and her sons, or, you know, not not necessarily rich, but but the trads, you know, people that are either SSPX sympathetic or SSPX uh, uh, adjacent. And you know, no one in my corner of the church knows what to make of John Paul II. Okay, so I just want—I want people to know that the non-Catholics that are reading this to understand. You know, he did this thing, and it's called the CC2 in 1986, where he kissed the Quran. Everyone's like, "What the fuck? Like, why? Why would this ever be done?" He is a progressive. Uh, he, he, JP2, um, unlike Ratzinger, who became Benedict the Sixteenth. Uh, Read, was a big reader of Karl Rahner, one of the major theological progressives inside the church in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Unlike Ratzinger, who became Benedict XVI, he never came off of his enthusiasms for Karl Rahner's writings. Uh, similarly, he referred to the Second Vatican Council, the 21st Ecumenical Council in the church, regularly as the Second Pentecost. Wait, the Pentecost is... When the Holy Spirit came to the apostles and turned them into bishops, and it's known as the birthday of the church. So the Second Vatican Council is the the second birthday of the church. That's that's weird. Yeah. It's almost like Catholic millenn- millenarianism. But on the other hand, he, he hated communism. He seems to have hated it viscerally. On the other hand, um, he did grant some some real boons to the traditionalists to allow the Latin Mass to sort of continue on. On the other hand. He did censure a lot of the, the far left liberals, like Cardinal Casper, who's one of one of these characters in here, uh, stopped him from doing what they ended up getting thirty years later under Pope Francis. So he's just a mystery wrapped in a riddle. So the first two hundred pages of this book, Frank, I was saying to myself and some of my trad friends, I was like, "Dude, you need to go read Windswept House." Actually, a buddy of mine that attends attends an SSPX chapel. I was like, uh, "Yeah, I mean." Malachi Martin was in the know, and he seems to be defending John Paul II insofar as he's having Christian Gladstone, the very humble, very wise, uh, young and wise protagonist, uh, rebuffing himself, repudiating his former uh, harshness of JP2. And this is Malachi Martin, who who knew better, because he was a kind of behind-the-scenes guy at the Vatican. On the other hand, the last 50 or 100 pages... Now he's kind of doing the, the, you know, he was sort of uh, rehabilitating the reputation from a trad point of view of JP2, the Slavic Pope. And the last 50 or 100 pages, he's been kind of going the opposite way. Now he's saying, no, look at this Mason. This Mason is like, hey, I like this guy. I, I relate to this guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and and once again, I think that that may just be. Um, I think out of all the things you can say about that, it's probably the uh, another really wonderful tip of the cap to Malachi Martin as an author, as far as giving uh, being authentic and being fair to the characters instead of projecting onto all of them constantly, um, and and just being you know, coming at it from one side of a view, that, that presenting that there is a much larger, much more complex situation going on here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, around page 292, this is where uh, other things go on. Uh, we have the American side of things with Cardinal uh, of Century Sydney, Century City. Uh, this is the Cardinal from from uh chicago you were saying bernadine yeah okay well, yeah. he's holding up his end this is pretty much what we're getting he's holding up his end of the bargain by sowing distrust and widening the schism between the pope and the bishops and the rest of the church he is talking about how they're bringing in all these progressive women and the, the wicca the witchcraft the practicing sisters and things like that how he's really just holding up the american end of things and then that chapter ends with the bishop uh, the the cardinal of century city getting a call from a so-called guardian as they call him to say hey listen the police officer who handled the scalabrini execution may be ready to turn so obviously that's another loose end that needs to be tied up so he has to go and kill the police officer that was forced into early retirement now part two that that's when we go into part two now it's called roman service part two of the book man this just pops off quick it's around page 299, starts off with a bang. It just jumps around from everybody what they're doing, getting their ducks in a row. Uh, Appleyard is getting ready uh, to, to get a, uh, a visit with the Pope on the books. He's going to go sit down with him face-to-face. Something really interesting uh, is said as they're in the opening segment. Where the hell is it? 299. He says, uh, let's see, Appleyard managed to glean. Uh, here it is. Appleyard managed to glean even a meager sense of consistent papal policy should have given him the advantage over every other geopolitical strategist in Washington and around the world, and not to mention every expert in the Vatican as well. And yet perhaps his main advantage was that he understood that it was evening time for the Roman papacy, just as surely it was evening for the NATO alliance, for the European community, and for the Anglo-American establishment, for the USA world hegemony, and for the Marxist socialist utopian dreamers of this almost spent 20th century. A long, tedious, agonizing day was drawing to a close over the heads of the nations now. The clear, uh, the clear, reliable perspective of daytime was yielding to twilight. Accurate perception, even for the most familiar objects, was being difficult. Fears of dissolution, awareness of mortal enemies yet un- as yet unidentified, ignorance of the near future, growing discomfort with the present conditions now began to rustle and rise free from the darkening byways of the nations. That opens up there saying he's going to go sit down with the Pope, but he has an advantage that most people around the world uh, doesn't. And he knows that it is the end of everything soon. It is not just the end of this the, the play thing that is the European Union, uh, that is American uh, leadership in the world, economic, the, the, every, the papacy, and even the socialist Marxist utopian dreamers, the right and the left. This also made me think about Albert Pike, where it said that the final cl- cataclysm 
was going to be a, a, a war that, that is not only brought down on the heads of the faithful, but of the atheists as well. It destroys uh, Christianity. They, they want to destroy Christianity. They want to destroy uh, Islam, Judaism, and the atheists, everybody, because it's about bringing in the, the doctrine of Lucifer when all, when all is said and done. And, uh, and that atheism, the Marxist that really led that brigade, is one of the biggest, the biggest tools for flattening out all of your competition. Those, those who think that there is nothing behind all this, and there's, there's no strings attached. And uh, I thought that was really interesting right there. He's not talking about just the evening that is, that is uh, coming down on the papacy. It's coming down on everybody. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I, it, it's also it, on the same pay in the same scene of the book. We find out that uh, <clears throat> um, Ariatini, who is uh, uh, Silvestrini in real life, uh, a cardinal I know a, a great deal about, one of the Sankt Gallen leaders, he is beginning to suspect goodly uh, Father Carnesecca, which means that. Karnaseka is probably probably going to eventually find himself in some danger. Mm-hmm. I was going to look up. I, I forget who Karnaseka is in real life, but um, uh, the, the the sort of the beginning of a new thread here in uh, this chapter. Oh, the, yeah, it's big. The, it, it, the it, ferreting it, out, yeah, of, of the good priests. Yeah. Oh, it, it's not. Yeah, it, it go. It just jumps around all of these segments after the uh, after at this, after the start of pay, uh, chapter twenty eight. You've got Appleyard. He's preparing to go to Rome. Then it jumps to Cardinal Mastriani, who is looking to tie up loose ends on his end, arranging to get rid of Father Slattery. So they they want Damien Slattery out uh, out of as as. Uh, uh, in the, as the head of the Dominicans, they want him out, and who knows if that means he's just going to be banished to some remote part of the world, or if they're eventually going to clip him. And then it even starts getting set up with the assassin. It seems like they're setting up an assassination of Father Aldo Carnesecca, as you say, out of fear, as they say, out of fear that he may have been exposed to some of the documentation of the enthronement of of Lucifer back in 1963. Uh, Masriani and Oriatini, they're, they're talking about that, how um, when they were preparing all of the documentation for the September Pope, as they, I, I guess they, they're referring to John Paul II, after they had the two quick deaths of those popes, they thought that uh, Karnaseka had probably seen some documentation about the enthronement. So he started setting up the cardinal on a mission here, no, not a, no, no. Aldo's not a, a cardinal. No, no. no. Uh, so father, they're starting to set up a Father Aldo on a mission here to to denounce the mafia, which you know where this is going. Uh, so you can just imagine that they're they're trying to, to set him up for what will look like a hit because he is you know meddling in 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 forces whatever. I think it was, I think it was Orientini or Mastriani who says he, he they wish that. Um, Cardinal Vincennes could have been a- around for this day. That was one of the guys in the, in the opening there. Uh, what else do I have? That's that's it. it also, it, then it jumps to Christian. He's already going all over Europe, talking to bishops about unity. He's getting nothing but sour tones concerning the Pope. And then a number, it's page 306 is an example of government civil strife, if you want to know. Christian is on the fence as to whether or not he could be possibly, uh, he's possibly, uh, how... 
how the Pope could be surrounded by people who want him to fail. And then once again, a great scene with Damien Slattery, who says, you, you really think that these people, if these people were, were focused on solutions, that things would be in such a bad shape? It's the same thing with every government around the world. Um, they need they need problems, and they're probably the ones behind it. And then the last thing from this whole section is Ceci is in Rome, and she is offering a loan to the Vatican Bank, which is in trouble once again, and she pulls a little bit of a trick out of her bag at the last second, holding off on a signature on the loan until she can get a promise to meet with the Pope. So that's what we're left off with here. That's just my notes. You have Ceci in Rome. Everybody's in Rome. You have the Gladstone brothers that are de- It's going to be even more high tension when they meet each other once they realize what's become of Paul and how Christian is starting to put together all of the pieces as to what he's being used for, Damien Slattery being a huge part in that, Ceci who knows what she's going to do when she meets with the Pope. I'm really interested to hear about this meeting between Appleyard and the Pope. So that's what I've got. What do you have? You know, actually, that's... (laughs) It, I, I've noted through all four meetings, you're always on uh, the same pages I'm on. And, and a lot of times it's the same exact quote, and other times it's just a, a paragraph uh, near you. Can can we go back a little bit? Sure. Um, Frank, I, I, I'd like to point out a couple things because I, I was doing a little bit of... Well, your, your audio got really low for a second oh. there. Okay, is that better? Oh, beautiful. There you go. Is that better? Yeah, okay. Um, there, there are a couple points from from way earlier on that I just felt like um, that I should that I should address um, that I didn't I was catching up on reading from last week even when uh, let's see on page one ninety seven sorry to bring you guys way back there okay. this is some important important stuff uh, stupefied at such total lack of discipline right at the top of the page there the rector had tried to give. Gladstone, a dose of his own tough medicine. Paul was. This is when Paul was in because because I want to I want to talk about. I don't think we can overstate the um, etiology. Doctors call it the etiology, the first cause of a of a sickness, right? The etiology of Paul Gladstone. He literally and sincerely left the seminary. Now that now that we know he's basically a mason a low-level mason playing with high-level masons he sincerely left the seminary little brother to a big brother who's you know living safe for for good reasons because of what's gone on with the council and the funniness and the uh the uh, liturgical and the theological innovations that's a term of art for for trad catholic so he's he's uh talking to his his rector and he's saying this look if i remain i'll come out this is on 196 if i remain i'll come out a disheveled dispenser of useless trinkets in the great american roman catholic potluck i like that turn of mm-hmm. expression astonished almost into speechlessness at such unprecedented rebellion the rector managed to say a few standard words in defense of the mandates of vatican council too and to utter what paul could only regard as a laughable appeal to obedience. What makes it a laughable appeal to obedience is the fact that the church is currently, by such liberals, progressives, being democratized. They don't. These guys don't believe in obedience. They don't believe in pyramidal hierarchies. Um, he said simply, "I don't know how to be a priest." 
Paul encountered with an iciness that froze the very atmosphere of the room. I don't even know what it means to be a priest in a church where the centerpiece is nothing more than a supper table. Oh, I know. I've heard over and again out this new conciliar church of yours. That's the adjectival form of council. Conciliar church of yours will present a more human face to the world. But I tell you this, I will not preach to the people of God that when they gather together, they will not only become church, but themselves form Christ. I don't begin to understand such meaningless jargon. Hmm. And then that's when it's, I was decontextualizing it, stupefied at the top of 197. At the lack of to, uh, such total lack of discipline, the rector had tried to give Gladstone a dose of his own tough medicine. Uh, Paul was putting his entire priestly career in jeopardy, and the rector, as the rector had warned, by this unbridled and uncalled for outburst. Have I not made myself plain, Father Rector? Paul was already on his way out the door. I would rather be a decent Catholic layman cooperating with the church than a ragtag member of this tasteless, irre- irreligious pigsty. I mean, I like Paul. I can't. So, like, whatever happens to him, I like him. This guy sounds like me. You know, I mean, that this is how I feel. Um, he's not bullshitting. He's not putting on airs. Paul leaves the priest. The, he was never a priest. Uh, can't leave the priesthood, but he leaves the seminary for the most authentic reasons because of what was going on there. So the fact that he's fallen this far to becoming, a, you know, the arch nemesis of the church, a Mason, it just, it's its our author, Malachi Martin, now that we know what happens 150 pages later, giving us a little bit of Dostoevskian uh, social sin, right? Of course, this is this is Paul, too. Uh, this is his his fault that he's fallen so far. He could do like his big brother, and just strive to be better within a, a church that's that's uh, destroying itself. So that part of that's you know on the man that's private sin, but part of this this kind of Dostoevsky and Brothers Karamazov public sin thing, even Alyosha, uh, the, the saintly brother, is partly responsible for the death of the father, not just the three really bad brothers. Um, so I think when you look at thematically what what uh, Malachi Martin is doing here, it's really clever. It's yeah. it's not not uh, exculpating Paul altogether by saying, "Oh, well, hey man, the Second Vatican Council, or at least the so-called spirit of the Second Vatican Council, which is what happened in the '70s after the council closed in the '60s, it's just you know shit fucked everything. It's not just that. It's 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 we all have personal accountability for the uh, conspiracy of our lives, for, for, you know, in this fallen world for making good. And that, to me, that page, when I went back and I was reviewing my notes from last time, that explained more about Paul Gladstone than any, I think, other single page. Um, actually, 195 is really good, too, but uh, does, does some of that. They're talking about Guttmacher remember who's a friend not only to Christian uh, but, but also to Paul and also to Sessi and uh, and and they tell us about Christian too when we think of the coming confrontation probably around page 400 of Paul and Christian um, there's some parody and in, in, in it's not only arduously labored at by the author in the places we pointed out in this reading but the parody is uh, if you look at page 194 uh, Guttmacher is talking about Christian Christian's not a goody two shoes. Uh, it's it's not not just not just Paul that got into boyish mischief. They both have this mischievous 
uh, turn that they probably get from their mother and and thereby they're kind of brought closer together so i i don't think we're supposed to think of paul and christian as strict foils in the classical sense of the literary term you know mm. I, I think we're supposed to think of them of a piece as much as we can they're making individual decisions that are separating them yes i i think that it was really great of you to go back to that and, and bring that to the fore when it comes to paul's character arc because it really is like um you know, it, it's a, it's one of those things with modern-day movies where they want you to sympathize with a bad guy for some reason. Well, there's a difference between making, um, you know, making uh, the, the bad guy in the story or somebody who's doing something evil a little bit more attractive and just very, very uh, plainly show the, how somebody's choices and how things that are done and how, how uh, the, the dominoes can fall that lead people to different places in life. Not not necessarily to condone the the action of giving oneself, pledging one's loyalties over to the Freemasons, but starting in the seminary to 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 be so shaken at what you're seeing and like like you said to rightly leave for all the right reasons. Um, I that was my assessment, and I think many people shared that assessment in that uh, that session when we did that section. It was. Uh, the representation of the everyman. You know, not all of us, not many of us are in the seminaries these days, but we have had these little barbs and spears put through our soul along the way that uh, we've seen things come out of the church. We've seen, we've, we've just seen all these practices and all these scandals. And it, it really, it pulls a person away and say, you know what, what the hell am I holding myself to? Uh, this is supposed to be the, this is supposed supposed to be the the uh the mystical body of christ and this is how it acts and this is the kind of immunity it has from some of the worst humanitarian crises that we're seeing right now so it, it that right there does a number to the average person that doesn't have any kind of spiritual really strong solid spiritual guidance it doesn't have the the, the father Guttmachers in their lives the 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 sessies as parents we just kind of drift and some of us become paul gladstones and uh, I, I think that, uh, like you said, we're, we've got a couple hundred pages to go, so so much can happen. But uh, let's get into the thread now from people out there in the audience. Uh, the first one is from Ghost of Schwartz. Ghost of Schwartz says, page 294, paragraph 4, quote, The point I make is this. We don't announce anything as new or innovative. We just go ahead and do what we will. We didn't tell the people we were going to change, but we just went ahead and did it. The people fell into line like obedient dominoes, end quote. This segment stood out to me. I remember pre-election 2020, you said over and over that they were just going to act as if they won the election. I have watched the media and D.C. act as if ever since with everything from the election to COVID to Ukraine. Yeah, it's the one big LARP. Um, interesting to see in this relation to the church as well. I guess they are all using the same playbook. This book has gotten me back to reading an actual book rather than the online BS that is being perpetuate, perpetrated on us daily. Starting reading on the beach in Emerald Isle, Nor Emerald Isle, North Carolina, and now spent about 30 to 45 minutes in the mornings on the back deck next to my fountain with the birds chirping and the sun rising. It just br it has brought me great joy. I really hope you continue with this. Another page turner. Thanks for all that you do. Well, that's wonderful. That's great. It, it, and yes, hey, um, 
there have been people I know that there's a lot of old timers out there that have been that have been screaming since the Kennedy assassination and even before that something's wrong the media is is uh, is, is has a part in it we're all we're all going towards some really hellish places and uh, and Malachi Martin was definitely one of them that's for sure and we're getting this we're getting it's almost like a message in a bottle Tim yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah, no, it's it's really I, re- I really like that guy's message. I mean, it's there's something. <clears throat> I think I said this the first night we were talking. It is like a message in a bottle. It's almost like reading, uh, the you know the first hundred pages of Fellowship of the Ring, where you're you're comfortable on your couch in front of either a fire if it's probably winter, fire and a cup of tea, or on your back porch and it's beautiful with the birds chirping. You know, six months later, but but either way, you're comfortable, you're happy, you're healthy. And you're reading about this really, really creepy darkling situation that that ought to be upsetting, but because you're so comparatively safe, it's 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 just fun. Uh, so the, I think that's that's the the thing about this is that we we know we in the church who understand who Malachi Martin is, you know, undersecretary to Card um, Augustine Cardinal Bea. And, and personal friend to the good Pope. Remember, he was a personal friend, Malachi Martin, to the good good Pope John, who convened Vatican II, that it's like, oh, wow. He's he's telling, you know, 90 to 95% truths here, and he's not telling us exactly what's the truth and what exactly is the 5 or 10% fiction part, but he told us it's faction. And so there's some of the kind of safe danger, enjoyable, uh, you know, uh, that that reader described that that I always get from I always go back to fellowship, you know that that kind of joy. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and I guess with, with fellowship of the ring, you can get a lot of that joy, that safe danger, especially when it's really when you when you start going into realms of fantasy as well. Um, but when it comes to this, I that's always been the most oddly cozy thing about different types of conspiracy theories that have to do with where we're living right now. Like anytime somebody has a rapture date or we're talking about the end of the world or an alien invasion or something really, really horrendous, I'm always like, really? well, tell me more. You know, I, I want to know. He's like, <laughs> I, I mean, he's like, yeah, you're describing an apocalyptic situation or an Armageddon situation. That's certainly going to consume me as well. But for some reason, it just sounds so cozy to talk about something you know the mechanics of the universe bearing down on us, and we actually being around to see something so significant. That's uh, I don't know. I don't know what what what's so draw what draws us in so much. But here's another one, Moira from New York City. Moira from New York City says, uh, "Thanks so much for organizing this wonderful book club, Frank. Enjoying all the insights from Timothy, you, and the Franklies. There are no accidents. We're discussing this book on the very auspicious Friday the 13th. Today is the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, when she first appeared to Lucia uh, and her and her cousins in 1917. It is also the 41st anniversary of the failed assassination attempt of the Slavic Pope, Saint John Paul II, in 1981." Recent happenings of Ukraine and Russia, globalist imminent power grabs through the WHO, the arrests of 90-year-old Cardinal Zen, to name a few, take on a different light while reading this book. Like Windswept House symbolizes the importance of family and faith as foundation for our human journey, uh, juxtaposed against unholy bedfellows of organized church and state. Wow. Wonderful. Yes. Yes. 
yeah I, did I did I, I that was gonna be my opening salvo but yours was so good I just scrapped it, it was a uh, happy feast day of uh, Fatima it's been now uh, now 105 years the the hundred the 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 hundred year anniversary five years ago I was I was like getting my family ready in a bomb shelter I remember I was still teaching at the Catholic school and I, I thought something was gonna happen that day you know but um yeah this is that's right the 40 41st anniversary of uh, John Paul II's assassination he was assassinated by the uh, Marxist hired uh, uh, Muslim uh, not Sirhan Sirhan what, what's the guy's name uh, Ali Agbar and um, the creepy thing is Agbar said he knew that uh, he knew at court this is on record at court that he had that, that this had something to do with Fatima uh, and the, the secret of Fatima which hadn't been revealed yet so it's it's very strange and this happened you know two, two months after I was born I'm 41 I was born in mid-March of 41 this assassination attempt of the Slavic Pope two months after i was born wow. it's uh it's all wild man it's, it is it's all strange in fiction no it is it, 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 that's why I, I mean there's been plenty of uh plenty of authors out there have said that there's more truth in fiction than you think and uh, whether we're talking about historical fiction when you bring things like this out and you can actually uh you can actually refocus a person's lens a perspective of what what happened during a certain time period on earth uh, regarding a certain turn of events or if you're just diving into fiction to learn a little bit about some eternal truths about humankind and the way that the heart works the way that um, intuition and joy and anger and jealousy I mean fiction is wonderful and I think that people like me especially people like me I have um, I've guilted myself out of reading fiction way too much over the last 10 years because I felt like I was wasting time. I should be reading biographies and history books. But then you have books like this and you're just like, ah, I mean, here, here it is. It's, I mean, there's, this is just as much useful in understanding what's going on around us than anything else. And, um, and yeah, here's another one. Garden, uh, Gardenia B., Says in chapter 27, I enjoyed the Gib Appleyards meeting with the Pope. And I, wait, did he meet with the Pope? Appleyard met with the Pope. I got no. Yeah, she must be. Ahead. Wait. No, we just ended it. We ended chapter 30. Yeah, we. Oh, was that 30? Wait, what? No, we ended it. We ended. Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, you're right. You're chapter right. 27, he met with the Pope. Uh, Wait, part two. It's the, he meets with the Pope in the, the first chapter of part two, Papal Twilight, which is 28, ain't it? No, no, that's not right. How could I have I? How could I have missed that? No way. Uh, I mean, he met with a lot of prelates. Yeah, he didn't. No, he didn't do that yet. Yeah, you're right. I think it's 30. We 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 ended before 30, right? Well, let me just read the rest of this. Let me see if I can get... Uh, I enjoyed Appleyard's meeting with the Pope, and on page 289, Gibb noted that the Slavic Pope saw all religions as true avenues to spiritual salvation, observing that the Pope was ahead of the one-worlders, Bilderbergers, and New-Agers in that regard. I have a similar universalist uh, view of God's acceptance of all uh, sincere seekers, so I conclude that the, perhaps Malachi Martin is emphasizing... Uh, 
uh, eminence of God versus humanism, the latter absent or denying divinity in creation. Malachi Martin is an exceptional author. I'm so glad that this is my first experience with his writing. P.S. The amount of organization, councils, official agencies is overwhelming. I guess this is the way to divide and conquer, and I now look at all such groups in our common world as a means of accomplishing more obfuscation and unholy agendas. Uh, To to start with that point and work back, absolutely. This is why uh, every time a new committee, subcommittee, an NGO... Anything, any group gets involved that 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 uh, presents themselves as an authority on the subject. That this is this needs to be brought in uh, under close consideration, and we have the experts and everything. That is a that's a, just a, a way to compartmentalize themselves and um, and separate themselves from any kind of public oversight, and to also demean and diminish anybody's confidence uh, in in believing that they actually have a. A legitimate role to play in the future of humanity so yes whether whether we're talking about this blinding number of of committees and stuff that's going on just within the the Vatican that these these prelates these um, dark side prelates are using to uh, actually diminish and destroy the church and take it to another direction the same thing is done within governments hey as uh, Carlo Maria Vigano has said so much over the last couple of years in those wonderful open letters to really stress that there is no difference between the forces of the deep state and the deep church. They are working in Congress with each other. They are trying to merge both operations, and it's been going on for quite a long time. I, I would love to see what, if he has ever had any uh, conversation or, um, or thoughts on Malachi Martin. Yeah, Frank, have, have I recommended to you uh, either of uh, the books, uh, The Fourth Secret of Fatima or uh, The Secret of Benedict XVI by um, by a, another famed uh, Vat- Vaticanist, not, not Marco Tussati. Uh, oh, geez, what is, is his name? Have you looked this book up ever? The, the first, the on the note of uh, the lady's comment, the last, uh, the, the first 20 pages of the book, uh, the Benedict, uh, the secret of Benedict the 16th about his retirement, which claimed to be a, a forced retirement. Um, here, let me look this up as I talk. Uh, it, it goes into Obama and the Obama state departments, w- w- what they knew, particularly the Podesta's brothers, and the USCCB and the so-called Catholic Springtime. Do you remember this when the Podestas were talking about the Catholic Spring? I I'm, I don't think so. I need to I need to I need to send this to you. Please, um, it's please really do. important. It's really important to me in in my work. But um, let me this this author's name is called uh, for one thing the fourth secret of Fatima is the thing that convinced me that that the third secret of Fatima has not yet been revealed. It's Antonio Sochi, who also wrote The the Secret of Benedict the Sixteenth, And the first 20 pages are on the Obama State Department and and the, the Catholic springtime that uh, was partly revealed with the WikiLeaks. Uh, Podesta emailed to Hillary about the way they're going to further infiltrate some uh, USCCB group, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, a, a, left, a left-leaning uh, group, as you've heard in this book the national bishops conferences which have no magisterial authority 
have been a major source of uh, leftist creep in the church. But there, there's, there are some um, Catholic springtime American left uh, uh, bits of info that were leaked with WikiLeaks that's really important. You need to look at some of these Sochi books. I would yeah. love that. Yeah, thank you for yeah. that. Please, please send that over. Um, yeah, I will. I, I that that's something that it, I would love to expand on, and I, especially with somebody like Malachi Martin, who's been dead for some time now, it's hard to it, that's a, a logical fallacy in itself to to try to project what historical figures would have thought now, and and you know who would have thought something about it, whatever. But it would be great to to be able to just build up a little bit more of a library of information around all of this. So, yeah, please send that over. And I have a, a, a little bit more over here on this. Summer 7-Eleven takes Slattery to Gladstone. We're in a war with Satan himself, 263, 264. Pretty much all of the things that we had seen before and the, um, the quotes I had gotten. Uh, stark observation from Ceci, though, at the Vatican Bank when she gets on the point of how, how all of these, uh, um, these doodads how, elect how electronic all the banking was, how the internet of things, the connectivity of things. And she went and she said, those black boxes and the, the or this was the, 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 the narrator, those black boxes and the Unisys A15 were exactly what she had said, electronic doodads. Somebody had engineered them, programmed them, manipulated them, quote, so she spoke softly as to herself or perhaps to her guardian angel. The devil is wired to the world at last. And that's back in, you know, this was published in the 96, but from what I've gathered, this is, this is taking place around 1990, 1991. So she's looking at this electronic marriage between all things and the computers and, and of course, who's controlling the computers. And many times I have called the, uh, these, uh, these phones a portal in our palms. It's like the new witchcraft. So for her to look at all of this, this electronic banking really coming to the fore in the early 90s and, and, and to conclude that the, 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 the devil has finally been wired to the world is um, it's incredible. Wow. Wow. So, well, that's all I have over here, and that's all we had in the thread. Uh, the, the, the chat room is popping off. Uh, I, I Before I, I take whatever closing thoughts you have tim on this session four i would like to say i looked at some of the where we can go next we are on page two 321 it's the beginning of chapter 30 and i went ahead about um about 50 pages not not nowhere near 80 or 100 50 pages to the beginning of chapter 34 it's uh page 321 to page 375 i think that that's what we should do the next time around so, you know, a little bit of a, a lighter bite, especially since now we are finally in the second half of the book. So I don't want to, I want to keep people with us and, and not to have them fall too far behind. So I think 50 pages should be good. 30 to the begin to the end of 33. So your face, like yeah, 375 in, in the paperback. All right. So that's what I have. Timothy, take it away. What, any closing thoughts and anything like that? I made the point before, and I just feel like the way I made it might have been under-emphatic. Whatever ends up happening with the Pope, the, the Slavic Pope, in this action, faction action, fact-fiction action, um, remember this. 
folks. Malachi Martin died seven years before the end of um, the Slavic, the real Slavic Pope's pontificate. He didn't know what was going to happen with the um, the forced end of the pontificate of the Slavic Pope. What strikes me um, every se- every other chapter I read in this is the strangeness. Uh, as I just send you uh, the the Benedict the Sixteenth secret book, uh, Frank, in in private text. What strikes me as strange is so much of this happened. I'm sure to JP too. That's what this we call uh, Slavic Pope John Paul II. So much of it happened to JP too, but a lot of the rest of this stuff happened to Benedict XVI, and many people. I'm I'm not necessarily one of them, but there's a, a, a strong enough case to be made for something called Beniplanism. Uh, or, or more simply, uh, Benedict is still Pope, which is what that second Sochi book I sent you is about, Frank. I'm buying and it right now. A lot of the, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, uh, sorry, that they're talking about as being directed in the, the, the action of this novel to John Paul II also seems to have happened to Benedict XVI, who I guess is a character in this book. But he was the presumptive candidate that all of these guys, the real-life Oriatini and the real-life um, uh, Sankt Gallen Mafia, there are about five characters who are characterized that were actually in the Sankt Gallen Mafia. They started meeting in the year of the publication of this book, 1996. That's when the real Sankt Gallen Mafia started meeting because they knew with Parkinson's disease that the Slavic Pope was ill. They thought he was going to die any day. He lasted until 2005. Mm. But they were like, look, his successor is going to do his exact bidding. You know, they're they're of, of one mind. And that is Ratzinger, who became Benedict XVI. So what ended up happening that Malachi Martin, our author, doesn't know is that the torch was passed to Ratzinger who many, many good Catholics, my, my good friend Patrick Coffin, your Catholics out there, your Catholic fans will definitely know him. He's a good friend of mine. He's in this group. He thinks Benedict is actually still Pope. And uh, so a lot of what they're planning here for the forced retirement of John Paul II is what the Beneplenists think happened to JP2 Part Two, yeah. Ratzinger. And, and that's really creepy to me. Yeah, that they finally succeeded. Yeah. yeah, they finally succeeded, and now, uh, and and of course, we we have Francis, and um, and you know, it's and when you look at the mechanics of how how this was done, it's so hard not to not to show how elections all over the world have been screwed one way or another. It, it, I, I don't know, man. It, it's uh, to project into um, the future of this book, the, the timeline of this book, I wanted to do some projections, but I was like, let's wait another session or so, because I don't know, like you just said, this is all laying out a plan of what was facing the Slavic Pope at the time of the publication. We know, we know now, nearly 30 years later, what, uh, what has become of the world, the church, the faith, um, the the global the geopolitical uh, uh, scenario we know of about all the climate 
We're right in the middle of it. We are now of age to be those who are actually carrying the torch and, and, and talking about things that are going on and, and trying to, to bring uh, attention to, to things that are most important. So wherever this book concludes, obviously we have all the information about w- what goes beyond it. I don't know what, what fiction is going to be the... Um, does he rely on fiction to end the book? Or is there a certain point? Oh, man, what's the revelation at the end? That's what I want to know. Because just yes. to, to, to leave it off to what comes next to be continued would be very disappointing. Because we know what comes next. And uh, you, you kinda, you're, you're rooting for these people to do something to stop this. Meanwhile, here we are 30 years later. So you know what it is like, Tim? It's, it's mm. like I love the movie Braveheart. I can watch Braveheart all the time, and I still feel pumped. I'm like, yes, I'm rooting for the Scottish. Then again, here we are. And look, how how has has Scotland really uh, taken itself out from under the yoke of the UK? And they they, yeah. they, they vote to stay yeah. with them now. It's just I I uh, it kind of it kind of dulls it a little bit when I watch uh, Braveheart. I was like, man, I wish Scotland was still the same. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like watching. It's, 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 it's I like your analogies a lot more noble, noble-hearted, noble-spirited. But it's almost like watching in a less noble way. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, it's like you, you know I rewatched that movie because I think it's really well made, and it's like this is a much cheerier ending than than the real way that this went down. And uh, I'm a Gordon, and uh, we were we were very close. Gordon was a very close confidant, the House of Gordon, to Robert the Bruce who eventually kind of temporarily overthrew uh, the Brits. But but we, like you said, we have all the luxury of history. We know how that turned out. Same thing here is a great analogy, Frank, because we know, man, stuff took a turn that Malachi Martin wouldn't see because he died or was killed uh, at the end of the 90s there, and the, he thought he was going to outlast Parkinson's riddled JP2. Um, life is strange, uh, you know, funny, funny old life. Uh, you know, JP2 outlasted him, and then what? Ha- what was maybe planned for JP2? Some of it, some Catholics think I'm not convinced might have happened to Ratzinger. So that the last, the last 25 years are kind of uh, the sequel almost wrote itself, and that's what I'm channeling into my read of what happened 25 years before that. Yeah, so it's really weird, but but spooky. You know, it's too bad that it, we um, that Malachi Martin was not only alive but forty years younger, so that he can continue to uh, put this all out there. But then again, if he if he weren't born in like nineteen twenty five, then uh, he wouldn't have been in uh, the premier spaces, the premier places, and uh, and and you know, serving at the hand of some really significant figures to see and to have heard what he had heard, and uh, and to be able to witness and and and. Uh, and bear witness to this stuff in his writing. So um, I, I guess it's just really up to us to uh, to continue to, to take what was left behind and to apply it to whatever whatever analysis we have today. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next 50 pages. I really am. Tim, thank you again. Everybody, timothyjgordon.com. Thanks again for hanging out with me, man. And uh, I lo- I'm looking forward to the next go-around. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for, for having me. It's, uh, you're a fun dude to hang out with. I'm going to send you... A documentary that'll blow your mind. I'm surprised I've never done. But uh, anyway, I'm always sending you stuff, and you're always good about looking at it. But it's it's a Fatima thing, and uh, it has much to do with Martin. So Wonderful. God bless you, man. And uh, everyone pray for me, if you would. My wife uh, has, has the C-section this time of the 
the day next Friday, so wow. I will probably miss session five, but I'm going to do the reading. Oh, oh, absolutely. You listen, you you do what you got to do. That this is this is this is child number seven, right? Yes, sir. Wow, child number seven. My yeah. gosh, that's just just uh, that's just wonderful. Congratulations to you guys. All the all the the blessings in the world to you guys, and and be well. Let me know if there's anything we can do from all the way over here in New York. We'll do, Frank. God bless you, man. All right. Enjoy, enjoy your uh, your weekend there. All the best. You too, you too brother. Peace. Bye. All right, Timothy Gordon. You guys at home. We did a little bit more than an hour. I'm having a good time. It's ten o'clock now. It's I have to I have to go home as well. I have a wife who's not pregnant that still needs to be tickled. I'm going to tickle her until she becomes nauseous. So, thank you all so much for hanging out. I think I should uh, release all these as a, uh, as a, I don't know, I put them on YouTube eventually. I should put all of these, upload them in a series onto YouTube so people can read it and, or watch it and, and jump onto the other ones. I just didn't want to do this live on YouTube or anywhere else. Quite frankly, TV elsewhere, on DLive, just so that there's one other option there for people. And I thank you so much for the time. Keep commenting on uh, on the threads. Comment on other people's things. Talk to each other. It's about interacting among the entire group. So I'll see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Nighty night.